Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. Um, I want to I wanna just jump kind of right in into the Word today because I, I really do uh, believe that God has uh, just put a word on my heart for this season of our church. Um, there's something that I've recognized over this last little bit as I've been talking with people and processing is that there's a, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of really good, amazing things going on. There's also some very challenging things going on in life. And, uh, and I really think that God has a word to encourage us and strengthen us in this. Um, I was actually doing my devotions just a few weeks ago and came up across, uh, across this passage that I've never actually read this way before. And I want to unpack it today. We're going to read through a whole chapter of the Bible. I know. Whoa. We do that in church? We read through the Bible? That's crazy. Uh, we are going to read through an entire chapter of the Bible, and then we're going to pull some, some pieces out of it today um, that I really believe are to encourage you. Um, Joshua 3 is where we're going to go to today. And the backstory around Joshua 3 is it's the Israelites actually getting ready to step into the promised land. Um, if you do the math, it was about 700 years from the time that God promised that they would step into the promised land to when they actually did. It was a long time, a long stretch between the promise that was made and the promise that was fulfilled. Which, by the way, this is just a side note. Most of our lives are spent in between promises made and promises fulfilled. Most of them are. They could be little promises, the promises of a friend coming over or a loved one or a raise or a bonus or, or whatever it happens to be. Or it can be a big thing that you've been believing for for a long time. Most of life is spent in the middle. It's spent in the middle of God saying that he will do something and then actually seeing the fulfillment of that in our lives. Okay, that's side. But anyway, the Israelites are getting ready to step in to the Jordan. And there's some amazing things that happen in this passage that I want to read through today. And then we'll unlock this and be able to actually pull some truths out that we're going to, to see today. But before we do that, I'm going to pray as we go to the word. Father, I thank you so much for today. Lord, I thank you that your word is alive and active. And Father, as we just come to this moment, Lord, we come with expectation for what you want to do today. We come knowing that you have a good plan, that you have a good future and a good hope for your people. And Father, we come today just to rest in your presence. We come to rest in your word, knowing that you are going to do incredible things. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can follow along in your Bibles. I'm going to be reading out of the New American Standard, and there's also going to be um, scripture up on the Sky Bible, so you can look up there, and that'll, that'll uh, fill you in too, all right? <clears throat> I like saying that. It's really fun. It's not my phrase, but it's really fun. Chapter 3, verse 1. You guys good? Ready? Then Joshua got up early in the morning, and he and all the sons of Israel set out from Shittim. There you go. That's a fun one. And came to the Jordan. Our pastor swears. No, it's in the Bible. Uh, and they spent the night there before they crossed. <laughs> then at the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God with the Levitical priests carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. However, there shall be a distance between you and it of about 2,000 cubits by measurement. 
Do not come near it so that you may know the way by which you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do miracles among you. There's so much in this. I feel like I just need to come back and spend like a whole series in Joshua 3. Like, it's just amazing. And Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over ahead of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of the people. Now the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel so that they will know that just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. So you shall command the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant saying, when you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, by this you will know that the living God is among you and that he will assuredly drive out from you the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Havite, the Perizzite, the Girgashite, the Amorite, and the Jebusite. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over ahead of you into the Jordan. Now then, take for yourselves 12 men of the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. And it will come about when the soles of their feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan will be cut off. That is the waters which are flowing down from above and they will stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to cross the Jordan with the priests carrying the ark of the covenant before the people and when those who were carrying the ark came up to the Jordan and the feet of the priests carrying the ark stepped down into the edge of the water. For the Jordan overflows all its banks all the days of harvest. Then the waters, which were flowing down from above, stood and rose up in a heap a great distance away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those which were flowing down towards the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. So the people crossed opposite Jericho. And the priests, and this is, this, is, this is the word that God dropped in my spirit today, and this is where we're going to go with this particular message today. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on dry ground until the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. They crossed over on dry ground. The title of the message today, if you're taking notes, is Stand Firm in the Middle. Stand Firm in the Middle. God dropped this, this thought in, in my heart, and I've just been, just been digging through it. Because you have to understand that the, the, the priests had a very specific thing that they were going to do. Today, we're going to be looking at the role of the priest in this story. Uh, according to 1 Peter 2, you and I are also called a royal priesthood. And there's something that, that God does through us in this place. Now, the thing about the Jordan, I just want to hit on for a second. In this particular passage and at this certain time and season when Israel was going to be crossing over the Jordan, the interesting thing about it is that it was flood season, as Scripture says, which means that the water was over the banks of the Jordan. It was wider than normal. It also means that the volume of water was much faster and more than normal. It was really the most dangerous time to be in the Jordan. The Jordan was at its most dangerous point at this particular time. Notice that God did not ask the Israelites to cross over when the Jordan was in the middle of the summer at its puniest. 
No, he said, you're going to cross over in flood season when the river and when the flood is at its most dangerous. Now, how many of us either right now, or if not right now, you will feel like you are walking through life and there is a flood in flood season, there is a river that is coming against you and it's really hard to stand against the pressure of everything that's coming. How many of you would say, maybe you're right there right now. It feels like there is a flood, like there is a strong current and it's dangerous and there's all this taking you out. If you feel like you're in a good season, I have the word of the Lord for you today. It's not always gonna be that way. Be encouraged. But what I wanna talk about today is what happens in the middle of the flood. Because God gives us some very specific things to do, some ways in which we are to live that he's showed us how to navigate these flood seasons, these storm seasons. These are seasons in life when it seems like every situation, every circumstance, every detail of our life is out to get us. It seems like everywhere you turn, if it's not finances, it's health. And if it's not health, it's family. And if it's not family, it's job. And if it's not job, it's your neighbors. And if it's not your neighbors, it's your HOA. It just seems like everything is out to get you. And it all seems like it adds up at one point. Did ever feel that way? I just wish it would like pick one thing at a time. I could handle that. But it's like everything. We've been settling into a house and the whole dynamic of all of that and trying to figure out what end is up. And, you know, when you move into houses, I've, I've met tons of people that have the financial piece perfectly lined out when you move into a house. Like, no, nobody does. There's expenses and all this kind of stuff. We've been navigating stuff with our kids and some emotional things and just walking through life. And it just seems like everything just adds up at the same time. But the word of the Lord in the middle of these situations and seasons is to, to stand firm. Stand firm. That sounds great. But how does that happen? Standing firm is this. It's a God-given resilience in the middle of hard circumstances. It's not something that you can come up with on your own. It's not something that you can power through on your own and somehow just muster up enough strength in you. It's a God-given resilience to what's going on around you. I tell you, there's a big difference between us just trying to like figure out how to do life or being empowered by the Holy Spirit to be able to stand firm because the trick is it's not us, it's the Holy Spirit in us that's doing it. This is what God encourages us to do. Standing firm, a resilience. There's, a, there's a, an old song. Some of you might know this. Is everyone, anybody here familiar with Trading My Sorrows? The old, the old song, there's just a few. Okay, wow. So there was a song that I sang all the time growing up. And it, was, it just went, I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. Anybody, right? I'm laying it down for the joy of the Lord, right? 
Awesome. And then the middle part is, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Oh, yeah, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. Oh, you guys are so good. But my favorite part of that song is the bridge. It goes like this. I'm pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. I'm blessed beyond the curse for his promise will endure and his joy is going to be my strength. And this, though the sorrow may last for the night, his joy comes in the morning. I'm trading my... Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm out of breath. Okay. It's the reason we don't sing that song anymore. But I love that bridge. That is what it means to stand firm in the middle of a flood. I'm pressed down, but not destroyed. I'm pressed, but not crushed. I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. The promise will endure. It's this, it's this understanding that even if stuff comes up against me, it won't wipe me out because I've got God on my back fighting my battles for me and empowering me to live this life with him. Today, I want to pull some keys out of this passage that are actually keys that the priests did in this moment. Again, we are, uh, we are called a royal priesthood. And so I want to pull the, the example of the priests as we go in here to talk about this. As I, think about, as I think about their story and what they were asked to do in this story and what they were called to do, remember, they were the people that God said, okay, Joshua, I want you to go to the priests. Okay, sounds great. All right, the priests are gonna carry the Ark of the Covenant. Sounds fantastic. I'm gonna have them go out in front of everybody else. Awesome, sounds good. We've done that. That's no problem. And I want them to go into the Jordan. Come again? Yeah, I want them to go stand in the Jordan and then everybody else is going to go through. And the priests are going, that it's the Jordan in flood season. But they did it anyway. Here's the thing, the first key that I see from the priests in this passage is that standing firm requires obedience in faith. Obedience in faith. The reason I say it this way is because God has asked us specifically to do things in our life that we are required to obey. But it takes faith to be able to do them. I'll give you some examples. Finances. Well, the Bible's very clear about how we use our finances and stewarding what we have and not going beyond what we don't have and Even if you look at the principle of tithing, the Bible is very, very clear about here's how you are to tithe. You're to take everything that God gives you and you are supposed to tithe a 10% back into the storehouse. So there's an obedience place. But can I tell you that when it comes to your finances and you're living paycheck to paycheck and you get to the end of the month and you're like, ah, how am I gonna make ends meet? How am I gonna make all this work? It takes faith to obey what God said. It takes faith to say, if I believe what's in the word of God, then God is going to come through and hold up his end of the bargain. I think about just the simple fact of salvation. There's an obedience for us to be able to step into salvation. What's the obedience? Faith. I just need to live a little bit better. I just need to make sure that I don't do enough of these things and then I stay away from those things and just be a good enough person. No, 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 no. The obedience of scripture is actually continuing to put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. 
The obedience is that we have to remain in a place like this. But here's the thing about salvation. Remaining in a place of continual faith before the Lord is really hard to do. Especially when we deal with addiction and things like this where there's sin in our lives and we mess up again and we come back to the Lord and say, was, was that the one that discounted me? What, what, was that the thing that, that was at the straw that broke the camel's back? Was, was that it? It takes faith to say, no, every sin was covered by the blood of Jesus. The obedience is we continue to believe. Relationships, oh man. The Bible's very clear about how we're supposed to treat each other and handle each other and encourage one another, but it is really hard sometimes. And there are people in our lives that it takes a lot of faith to obey when the Bible says, turn the other cheek. The Bible says it. And we have to sit here and go, okay, I'm gonna believe that even if I don't see the outworking of this, even if I don't get this, and even if this doesn't work out right now when I'm standing right here in this moment, I'm believing in faith that if I continue to love people and pour out to people the way that I'm supposed to and the way that God's told me to do, it's going to do something and there's going to be a shift that takes place. It might not be immediate, but the obedience is to love your neighbor as yourself. The obedience is if someone takes your cloak to give them your tunic as well. The obedience is if someone asks you to go a mile, you go two miles with them. And the faith is that God is working in the middle of that relationship. Examples of things where it requires obedience. The priests were given orders that they needed to do what they were told and the promise was that God was going to do what he said that he was going to do. They simply had to step out in obedience and God was gonna do the part that he was gonna do. Verse six of this says this, I love this, this is almost humorous. Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over ahead of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of the people. Very, very obedient priests but you have to believe that there was a part of them that was going, okay, God, we're doing our part. I really, really hope you do your part. I'm gonna step out and I'm gonna obey. And you said you're gonna stop the waters. So I'm gonna move forward in obedience and I'm gonna wait to see you do the part that only you can do. Obedience in faith. Standing firm comes from obeying what God already said to do with faith in what he has yet to do. It's believing this. The thing I found about obedience in my life, maybe, maybe you found this too. There's actually a stability that comes with obedience. If, if I have aligned my life with scripture and I am obeying what's been laid out in scripture, there's a stability because God promises that those, and he talks about this through David, through all the Psalms, that the way of the righteous is blessed, that the Lord looks favorably on the righteous, that he cares for his steps, that he goes before him, behind him, and on every side. He actually lays out a path so he will not slip, but he will have a firm foundation wherever he goes. The, the promise is that if I am a person like David who meditates on the word of God, follows the word of God, obeys the word of God, there's a stability because God is going to guard and protect and guide me through life. Obedience in faith. 
verse eight. Now, this is, this is really cool. This is a piece of faith that is really hard sometimes. Listen to this. So you shall command the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall, get this, stand still in the Jordan. Sometimes it takes the greatest amount of faith to stand still and let the Lord work. Father, we trust you that you're our provider. You're gonna provide everything that we need. So we're putting our confidence in you. Okay, so if we, we get a second mortgage on the house, we sell the car, we can get rid of all. Yes, I believe you are the God and the provider. And if we do all of these things and if we move here, we do all this. We, 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 we do such a good job as human beings of saying we trust God, but then turning right around to make all the contingency plans. When sometimes God's saying, hey, will you just, will you just stand still? Will you just, will you just stop for a second and let me work? Sometimes. Now, sometimes God's asking you to do something and you're just sitting around like, oh, I'm just letting God do it. And he's like, hey, <laughs> get up, go to work. Go to your job. You know, you know that thing that pays the bills, you should do that, right? There are those moments, but there are also moments where he says, listen, you've done everything that you can figure out on your own, but that hasn't really done very good for you, has it? Now I want you to just sit still and let me go to work on your behalf. It takes faith to do both of those. Second thing here that I see from the priest, standing firm is a result of consecration. Consecration, consecration. It's this idea of being set apart, pure, holy. It's not perfection, but it's the idea of being set apart. Joshua said this in, in verse five, Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, consecrate yourself, set yourself apart. They're, they're, this is a big deal in our world right now because it's so easy to have your foot in both areas. To have your foot in like trying to be holy and live for God and your foot in the world and trying to live in that and do all of those kinds of things. Consecration is not a perfection where you have to have it all figured out and be perfect and be holy, no. But you're setting yourself apart for what God wants to do in your life. It's a dedication of every part of your life being used by God for what he wants to do. It's saying, listen, I could do it my way, and I could do all these things and I could say all these things and I could be all these things or I could look at scripture. I could find out what it means to be consecrated, to be set apart, or as Paul says, to be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. To consecrate yourself means to be set apart. Um, God's been dealing with this in my life recently. And, and by the way, this is, this is not a slam on anyone, right? We, we get this idea, oh, this is perfection. No, 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 no. This is a conscious setting yourself apart for God, okay? Um, God's been dealing with this. And, and I was praying through this, this last week and just meditating over this passage and everything. And he just dropped this thought. He said, you, you're the gatekeeper of your home. You're the gatekeeper of your home. Which means, am I consecrating my life as a gatekeeper for what comes in to my family? Am I being intentional to say, you know what? I'm gonna make the hard decision to not allow some things into my family. Why? 
because I'm the gatekeeper for those things coming into my kids, into my mind, into my wife's mind, and I need to make sure that I'm guarding those things. It's not like, oh, you're such a prude, and oh, my word. No, but it is saying, as the head of my home, I'm responsible before the Lord for what comes in and affects my kids. I'm actually responsible for what things come into my home. What do you allow in? What are you allowing into your mind? What are you allowing into your heart? What are you allowing into your family? And what do you dwell on? This is all part of consecration. To be consecrated means you've set apart your thinking, your focus, your attention, everything to make sure that it's focused on the Lord. Consecration. Yeah, they were, they were priests, but yeah, we're all priests before the Lord. And God's called all of us to consecrate our lives. I, I want you to, to take this away not as a condemnation, but I do want you to take this away as a challenge to you and your life. What things of the world that we see around are you allowing to permeate into every area of your life and have its way in you? Or are you going on the offensive to make sure that you're setting things up to be consecrated before the Lord? Not judgment, but I do want to challenge you. And this is the result. Consecration. In this passage, Joshua came and he said, okay, people, I want you to consecrate yourself. Here's why. The second part of that verse. For tomorrow, the Lord will do miracles among you. As we align with God, as we align ourselves with what he wants us to do, as we align ourselves with God's way, then it sets us up for a miracle to be able to take place in our lives. Now, now again, it's not perfection. It's like, well, I have to get all of this perfect in order for God to perform a miracle. No, 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 no. He just says, I want you to consecrate your life. His job, he's in the market for miracles, not you. You're in the job of setting yourself apart to be holy and acceptable before him. Again, you're bought, paid for by the blood of Christ. It's washed over every sin. It's paid for everything now until forever. But we do have the responsibility to consecrate ourselves and it paves the way for miracles to be able to happen. Standing firm comes from obedience and faith. Standing firm also comes from consecrating our lives to the Lord. It gives us the ability to stand firm in the middle of the flood. And then the third thing is standing firm in a flood season is a miracle performed by God. When you are walking through a situation in your life that seems impossible, it's probably because it is for you, but not for God. And the only reason that we are able to stand firm in the middle of a flood is because the Lord is doing a miracle in your life. So be encouraged today. that if you're in the middle of facing it, maybe it's time for just to refocus and say, okay, just like we sang, the battle belongs to you. The flood is yours. You can do everything in it. And my trust is in you. Verse 15 says this, and when those who were carrying the ark came up to the Jordan and the feet of the priests carrying the ark stepped down into the edge of the water for the Jordan overflows all its banks all the days of harvest. Then the waters which were flowing down from above stood and rose up in a heap 
a great distance in Adam up by Zarethan, and those that were flowing down into the Salt Sea and the Dead Sea were completely cut off, so the people crossed opposite Jericho. There is no way that what I just read could have been done by a human being. It had to be God, and it was. The priests obeyed, stepped out in faith, and saw a miracle take place that day. I'm here to just speak into you that God has some miracles that he wants to perform in your life. Maybe there's some things you've been up against and you're like, man, I do not know how this is gonna work. Let's have faith to believe that God is a miracle working God who can do a work on your behalf. The fact that we're able to even stand in the middle of a flood season with everything coming against us and everything trying to take us out, the fact that we can even stand in that is because of the miracle of God, not because of what we do on our own. You guys good? Okay, now get this. This stuck out to me and I've never seen this before. And I wanna sow this into your spirit this morning, okay? This is so, so key. Back to verse 15. And when those who were carrying the ark came up to the Jordan and the feet of the priests carrying the ark stepped down into the edge of the water. Now get this. This is the part. For the Jordan overflows all its banks all the days of what? Harvest. The key four, the fourth key out of this, flood season is harvest season. I'm here to declare over you that if you feel like you are in the middle of a flood season in your life where the waves and the pressure and everything is coming to beat against you, I have news for you. It is also a harvest season for your life. I have news for you that God is working in the middle of those things and he's bringing strength. He's bringing stability to your life right now and he's gonna move on your behalf. The harvest, it might be the miracle that you're looking for. It could also be that there's a miracle of righteousness taking place in your life. Or one of the coolest things that happens out of a flood season is that God draws you to himself and you get a greater understanding of the love of the father that he has towards you. And some of those things, some of those revelations that we have of God wouldn't be possible unless we walked through the flood so that God could show himself to us in some ways that we wouldn't see unless we were in the middle of the flood. I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you, so many times we look at the flood and we look at the things going on around us and we're like, there is no way that this could be good in any way, shape, or form. And God says, yeah, but listen, listen, the flood season is harvest season. Believe that in your life. Your flood season, personalize it for you. Your flood season can also be your greatest harvest season. Next one, put it up. Your flood, there it is. Your flood season can also be your greatest harvest harvest season. How many of you really believe that God could take the situation that you're in right now and turn it around for a harvest beyond what you can imagine in your life? Come on. What if the people of God started to navigate and walk through flood seasons and and go, you know what? But my God is greater than this. And he's going to take everything that was meant for evil and turn it around for good. And I'm going to come out on the other side stronger and closer to him and have a deeper relationship with God in the middle of it. I'm going to come out so closer to my father than ever before. I'm going to be infused with the Holy Spirit like ever before. And I'm going to be empowered to be able to walk out like never before. But that would have never happened if I didn't go through this little itty bitty flood. It's not the size of the flood. It's the size of God in the flood. 
It's not the size of the situation of the things coming against you. Now, are there things that are scary? And are there things that are depressing? And are there, there are there things that have, you've, you've walked through for a very long time? Absolutely. But I'm here to tell you today, it doesn't change who God is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, the most important and the most crucial key to this whole thing of standing firm in the middle of the flood is this. The presence of God enables us to stand firm. The presence of God. Get this, verse 17. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood, there it is, stood firm on dry land in the middle of the Jordan while Israel passed. What does it say? And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant what did the ark represent? The manifest presence of God. If you know anything about the, the ark, you had the top of it inside was various different things. And on top, you had the two cherubim, the two angels, and their wings were spread towards each other. And in the middle of that was what's called the mercy seat. It was where the presence of the mediator, the savior, Jesus, resided. What empowered them to be able to walk through and see a miracle, they were carrying the presence of God. You carry the presence of God in your life. But I don't feel like it, but it's a truth. The presence of God is coming to lift your spirits, to encourage you, to strengthen you. If you feel like you've been in the battle for a long time, I'm here to tell you that there's fresh wind for your sails today. The presence of God wants to come and lift you up in a new place in the season that you are in right now. The presence of God is what enables you to be able to stand in the middle of a flood. It's not you. It's not trying to just power through a little bit more. Boy, if you're like me, there's so many times where I just try to like, just power through. And does that ever work good? Listen for my wife, she'll tell you no. But if we allow the presence of God to carry us, there's things that will take place that can never happen otherwise. David writes about it this way in Psalm 23. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Simple. I'm in the middle of a storm. I'm in the middle of a flood. I'm in the middle of all of this darkness and seems like the valley of the shadow of death, but I'm not gonna be afraid. Why? One simple, simple fact, you're with me. Sometimes one of the greatest reminders that we can have in the middle of everything that we're walking through is the fact that he hasn't left us. He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't said, okay, you guys got this one on your own. I'm out. I'll see you on the other side of the valley. He's with you every moment, every step, strengthening and giving you power to be able to succeed. Deuteronomy 31 says this, and the Lord is the one who is going ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not desert you or abandon you. So do not fear and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you. 
If you hear nothing out of this message other than this one point, that's enough. I want you to walk away today just with a fresh reminder. God's with you. His presence is with you. You feel like you're alone? He's with you. You feel like you're up against it all on your own and trying to figure it out? He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. Next week, we're going to start in on a series. And we're going to go through December just focusing on the fact of God with us. We're going to be looking at the Bible in various different ways that it's so easy for us to see that God is with us. We're going to be looking at some stories in the Bible of people that were in some impossible situations, but God was with them. And because of that, they had victory in their lives. Today, though, what I want to do is ending on this point. Can you, can you go back to point five, Lane? Thank you. Thank you. I know I'm messing him up. Point five. It's there. It's there. It's right before the scriptures. He's finding it. While he finds it. Point five. There it is. Awesome. Okay. The presence of God enables you to stand firm. Okay. The way that I want to just end service today here is if you're in this place and you could really, really use some fresh strength of the Lord to fill your life and the presence of God to give you fresh energy, fresh vitality to move in your life. Maybe you've been standing firm for a really long time, but, but the standing firm is not going so firm anymore. And you just need the Holy Spirit to come and encourage you and lift up you in this place this morning. If that's you and you're like, yep, I... I just need the Holy Spirit. I need God. I need his presence. Why don't you be really bold and just stand up? If you're here, and if it's one person, that's fine. If it's a bunch of people, you're here this morning and you desperately need the presence of God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's what I'd like to do. Where'd Melody go? There's Melody. Melody, can you come up? And then um, if you are on, I'm, I'm throwing a wrench in things. If you're standing and you're on the prayer team, don't do anything. Just hang, hang put. If you're on the prayer team though, and you're not standing, can you just come up really quick? Also my, my DTA leadership, if you're on my DTA leadership team and you're not standing, can you just come up to the front real quick? I know I'm throwing a curveball. Um, at you, but that's okay. Curveballs are fun. Okay, I have a word for you, and then here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to finish service. Is uh, I want to pray specifically for you who are standing, who just need a filling of the Holy Spirit to be in your life today. 
And I wanna have the opportunity just to agree with you. And in a second, when I pray, I'm gonna invite you to come up to the front. And again, just be bold in this. This isn't weird. But what I do want you to do is I want you to find somebody. If you have to wait for a second, that's okay. Find someone. And all this prayer team is gonna do is pray fresh life into you and pray that the Holy Spirit gives you joy and strengthens you and gives you vitality to be able to stand strong in the middle of your fa- in the middle of what you're facing. How many would just enjoy that prayer, would appreciate that prayer in your life this morning? You can share as much or as little as you want with this team, but that's all that it's going to be this morning, okay? Okay, when, uh, when God came to Joshua, he came to him and he said, Joshua, my son, be strong and courageous and do not be afraid. He told him this several times because I think Joshua needed it. Some of us are in that same place. We need to hear the Lord say, hey, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid for I'm with you. I'm with you. So I'm gonna pray and here we're just gonna, I'm gonna pray a prayer. I'm gonna dismiss officially, but I'm gonna invite everybody who's here just to come up. I'll be here too. We're just gonna pray over you. Please receive some prayer before you leave. And then I'm really believing that there's going to be a shift and a transformation that takes place in your life today. That the things that you're facing, you're going to have fresh wind in your sails to be able to face them as you leave today. That the Holy Spirit is going to give you a fresh ability to stand strong in the middle of what you are facing today. That everything that maybe the enemy's just been going after you, I'm going to believe that there's something fresh that is taking place in your life. So Father, you see your people right now. Lord, you see the battles, you see the floods, you see the storms. But we declare as a people of God that you are stronger, that you have authority, and you will enable your people to stand firm in the middle of the storm. Lord, I thank you that we don't walk through it alone. We don't walk through it by ourselves. But Lord, you are empowering us to be able to do that. Lord, I pray for every person that's standing right now, specifically going through in a situation where they desperately need your presence to fill. I ask right now, Lord, that you would come and fill each and every person here. And Lord, for all of us, God, as we go into this week, Lord, I pray that you would help us to stand firm in this area. You would help us to be able to respond to what you're saying. You would help us to be able to step out in faith. Lord, I pray that you would help us also to realize that you are bringing forth a great harvest in our life in this season. Father, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for the promise that you are with us. You are with us. You haven't abandoned us. You haven't forsaken us. You haven't left us. You're with us. We claim that right now in Jesus' name.